So welcome to the latest edition, latest episode of Inside Inner Miami. As you see, I am starting the show today instead of Andre. Andre is on vacation this week, so I'm going to be in charge right now. But we have a special guest today who's going to be joining me, which is our Miami Heat beat writer. Yes, Miami Heat beat writer, <laughs> Anthony Chang. Uh, Anthony has covered the Miami Heat for eight years and uh, the last five at the Miami Herald. So the reason we thought it would be cool to have Anthony come in as the guest host this week is because he, like many people in South Florida and around the world, really, were not paying too much attention, if any attention at all, to Inter-Miami before Lionel Messi got here this summer. He is like a lot of people who, you know, was a casual fan at best or maybe not a fan at all, he's going to tell us. And just sort of to get the perspective of somebody who is new to this, new to the new to the team, somebody that Leo Messi brought in, and just sort of get that perspective of a newbie as opposed to the old B, which is me. I am the the OG. It's the OG and the newbie. So I am the OG who's been here forever and forever and a half since the Miami Fusion days. So I've been all about soccer. For a long, long, long time, for three decades, I've been sort of the patron saint of soccer in South Florida. Anthony is from South Florida, has been following all the other sports, but was not really following Inter Miami until Messi got here. So as we go through the show today, you're going to be hearing the perspective of somebody who's very experienced in sports, but sort of new to MLS and new to Messi in person now. And uh sort of would be interesting to get to get Anthony's perspective. So hello, Anthony, if you want to just give us a little brief intro in your own words. Yes. Hey, Michelle. Um, thanks for having me. This is this is strange. I'm so used to doing the heat podcast. This is different. Um, yeah, I'm like the stereotypical Miami fan, I guess you would say. Right. Um, I was you know, following to Miami, the score, look at the score, see how they were doing. Obviously, most of the time they weren't doing great. Um, and when Messi got there, I was like, yeah, it's you know, it's the heat off season. Um, my workload is a little less than usual. I could maybe follow into Miami, see what happens. They were, they're, the, I think they were the worst team in the MLS when Messi got there. Um, and I was interested in kind of how the Messi impact. Can he really lift the team from the bottom of the standings and make them one of the best teams in the league? Um, and that kind of was the draw. Um, and I just I got the Apple package. I started following, you know, I started following the team. And I really got into it. It was it was it was a fun few months of just kind of watching soccer to, you know, the League's Cup was was awesome, obviously. Um, that was kind of, I think, a really good kickstart, not only for me, I'm, but I'm sure for other people, too. Um, and watching into Miami of like watching that tournament and, and obviously their success in it. And it was it was exciting. Um, but yeah, before this, I would watch the World Cup. Um, I really didn't follow soccer closely outside of the World Cup, um, but now I think that's going to change because um, I really, really enjoyed. And not only because of Messi, like I started, you know, Messi draws you in, but then you you learn about other players and these young guys from from South Florida. Actually, there's a bunch of them: uh, Noah Allen, Kramashki, um, Ruiz. Right? There's a bunch of them that are from here. Like, there's just a lot of cool stories in the team. Um, and yeah, I, I, I Messi drew me in, but I think um, other stuff too have kind of kept me interested in it. Even when Messi has been, you know, he hasn't played much recently, 
Um, so that's kind of my story and kind of how I've gotten into uh, this team. Yeah, and just you know, following up on that, what was your preconceived notion of MLS mm. and of Inter Miami before you started tuning in and actually watching on a regular basis? What was your preconceived notion of the league, of the team, the quality, whatever, uh, the atmosphere, and what have you found now in reality? Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 preconceived notion is that people say the MLS isn't good. It's not. It's not high quality soccer, right? Um, and into Miami, it was you know it's a new team. They're trying to build things up. They're obviously trying to build a new stadium and by the you know Miami International Airport. Right now, they're playing Fort Lauderdale. Um, I thought it was cool that there was a team down here, you know, again. Um, but you know, I, it was a, it was, it's a young team. So I, you know, and they hadn't been playing very well, obviously. So, um, that was kind of my thoughts on the team entering all this. And then MLS, again, I feel like the preconceived notion has always been, it's just not, you know, it's not one of the best leagues in the world. Um, but watching it, there, there are some, obviously Messi and, and Busquets and Alba, change things but even other other teams like i remember they played i think it was dallas during the league's cup um and i was really impressed i forget his name i'm sorry um they had an argentinian i think forward it was but he was really really good and there's you know nashville has um you know the, the i think yeah, honey German, yeah very yeah, good yeah, yeah very good there's just there's a lot of uh world-class players in the league so um, that part has been impressive. It's been different than what I expected for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, we're going to, we're going to review last night's game. We're going to start with that. Uh, you know, the game was one where there wasn't really anything to play for except pride. Uh, inner Miami is already eliminated, you know, is already eliminated from the playoff run. Uh, Messi was not playing. He was there. He did make the effort, which was important, I think, for the team. I think it was really important for the other players on the team and for the fans to see that he did make the effort. He came all the way from Peru uh, to, to watch the game. He didn't get to play. Obviously, he had just played the night before, scored two goals, played 90 minutes. So we didn't really expect that he's going to fly all the way from Peru to Miami and jump onto the field. But he did make the effort to be there. He was there. And that Every time he is present, it raises, it elevates the, the energy in the building. It raises the energy of the players. It raises the energy of the fans who are hanging over the edge, trying to get pictures of him in the box and in the parking lot and all that stuff. So just the fact that he was there and he attended was, was something good for the team. Uh, they didn't really have anything to play for except pride. And also the players who were sort of on the bubble for next season, Tata Martino had said, these few last last two games are going to be really important for players who are on the bubble, who are sort of trying to build their resume and prove to the coaches that they should be brought back next year. So it was an important game for different reasons, not necessarily for the playoffs because they were not in the playoffs anymore, but it was a chance for some of those players to step up and a chance for the team to sort of end a winless. They had gone five games winless. As it turned out, the winless streak now extends to six. They did get a tie. They rallied to get the tie. It looked like they were going to get a loss. It looked like it was going to be, you know, uh, a third loss in a row, fourth loss in a row. But instead, they did manage to get out. They got the tie from a very unlikely source, Robbie Robinson. Who would have thought 
Ravi Robinson, who is a, he was the first round, very first number one draft pick for Inter Miami in the inaugural season. Such high hopes. This guy was a huge star at Clemson, the best player in the country in college soccer. He's big, he's fast, he has skills. Um, you know, he was the leading scorer in the country in college. So he came in, even though the college draft in MLS is not the same as the NFL and the NBA, it's not obviously not the best players in the world that are coming out of college, but from the college ranks, he did come in with a huge resume and there were very high expectations for Robbie Robinson. And he has shown flashes over all these, all these four seasons. He has shown flashes, um, but he has been very, very injury prone. And it's been a real disappointment that he has not been able to play a consistent string of games to really show what he can do. Every time he plays a game, he gets a hamstring injury and then he's out for the next four weeks or six weeks. Um, and he's had even longer injuries than that. So this is a guy with a lot of physical talent, a lot of promise, um, but has not really been able to put it all together, uh, largely because of injuries. So he comes in uh, in the 73rd minute and, you know, late game sub like, oh, Robbie Robinson. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people maybe even forgot that he was on the team because he hasn't played in so long. And he comes in and immediately almost, you know, uh, within eight minutes or whatever, he scores the tying goal and then almost scores the game winner in extra time. He had another opportunity that was very, very close. So he, you know, he came in and made a case for himself, even though it was just a few minutes at the end of the game. He once again showed that he is capable of being a good player and has the physical skills. And this happens in every sport. I'm sure you've seen it in the heat and in college yeah. basketball or, you know, basketball in general, where a guy comes in with huge expectations and it just hasn't panned out for him here in Miami. And so he's a guy that's going to be on the bubble going forward because he's had four years to prove himself and really has not been able to put together a string of games. He's had, again, flashes where he looks really good and you say, wow, if this guy could stay injured, if this guy could stay injury free, you know, what a good player he could be for this team. Um, and then Stefanelli, Nico Stefanelli scored the other goal for Miami. And he's another guy who uh, spent a lot of time on injury reserve this year, uh, you know, just on the bench because of an injury early in the season. And finally he's getting to come back an Argentine player who again, has a lot of potential has shown flashes of, of skill is a real student of the game. He's a very smart player, but has not been able to really show much this year because he's been out much, much of the year. So this was an opportunity for guys like that. And then the big story last night, and in Tata Martino's words, the biggest story of the night was the return of Gregory. Um, and Anthony, probably you haven't seen Gregory play that much because you were not a fan before. And Gregory got injured in the third game of this season. And he was the captain of the team. He is beloved by all the players. He's a real locker room unifier. And uh, even though he doesn't really speak much English, but he's able to unify everyone on the, in the locker room. He's a real uh, team leader and was the captain of the team before Messi got here. And then Yedlin was the captain in the interim. Um, but 
Gregory's been out all year. He got injured in the third game of the season, a foot injury that required surgery. And then once he came back, seemed like he was going to come back and he had a little setback. So he finally came back last night after missing seven months. He had not played at all for seven months and he was in the starting lineup last night. And Tata was very excited that he played 60 minutes with great intensity. He didn't seem hesitant at all. He wasn't tentative, which a lot of players are when they're coming off an injury. Uh, he was good. He was strong. He got a yellow card, which is right back to his old ways of getting yellow cards. And uh, and Tata said that that was the best news for him of the game going forward uh, to next season. So, you know, the game was one that was not really important from a standings standpoint because they're out. They're out of the playoffs. There's not going to any chance they're going to be in the playoffs. But it was an opportunity for for some of these uh, other guys to get to get a chance. I don't know if you got a chance, Anthony, to see any of the yeah, replays. I did. Yeah, and and, and it, it's important, right? Like you don't want to end the season on a bad note on a losing streak. Like yes, they didn't get a win, uh, but they got a result. And like you said, there were these are important moments for the young players, the guys in the bubble, um, just to continue developing, guys to prove themselves. Um, another one, Alba returning, right? I know he played didn't play until the 60th minute, uh, but that was a good sign. He hadn't played in almost in a month. Um, and Avilas was another guy I'm trying to think of like what stood out from, from what I watched that, that pass for that first goal, I think to Stefanelli, uh, was re really, really, uh, beautiful. Um, so there were just a lot of moments that you're like, okay, this doesn't, I guess this doesn't matter in the long run, right? This, whether they win or lose, they're out of the playoffs. Uh, but you want to see continued pro continued progress. Um, and, and I think you saw that in, in that match. Um, the one thing I would say is. One thing I've, you know, since I started watching this team, Calendar has been incredible. He's been, you know, I mean, he's a backup, I think, USA goalie. Um, and he's really, really stood out as one of the better goalies in the league. Probably wasn't his best game yesterday, right? They were both goals. Like, I think the first one went off his fingertips. The second one, he slipped. Probably, like, in peak calendar form, he probably would have stopped at least one of those. Maybe both in some games. Um, but, look, they got the tie. They did, you know, they didn't lose a third straight match. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing for Inter Miami and, you know, hopefully for them, they could, they can end the season with a win on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I think the team is tired to be honest. Yeah. They're, they're exhausted. Like when you talk about Drake, he's just been in, you know, they're, they're going on, uh, nearly 50 games. This team has played because there's yeah. 34 league games and then they had all the league cup games and the U S open cup. And for some of these guys, national team games as well with their national teams. So, a lot of these guys are, are coming up on 50 games this season. They've been playing every three or four days. They were coming off a good break here, the international break. Although some of the players like Kamal Miller, for example, with the Canadian national team, he went to Japan. He went to Japan and during this wow. break, went all the way to Japan, played for the Canadian national team, and then flew back. Which again, like a break I'm sure me. that... <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm going like to ask break. you about that as a, yeah. as a newcomer. As a newcomer to to being a full time soccer fan now, yeah. um, you know how strange is it for you to see? Can you imagine the NBA in mid season just saying, "Okay, we're going to stop now"? Uh, a bunch of ten players or half the players on the team, which in Miami's case it is about half, are going to now go and scatter around the world and play in random games all over the world for their national team while the league is still going on. H how does that strike you as a as a new fan? 
Yeah, obviously it's it's very strange, you know, as someone who follows the NBA closely and like obviously the NFL and and, and baseball and all that, like you don't see that. One thing I will say, and I know, I know that there's been talk about this, and I think Tata Martino mentioned this earlier in the season, is the MLS going to observe that break moving forward? Like, are they going to, to, to pause the schedule during those windows? Um, because I feel like that, if, yes, it's strange in a vacuum itself that players are leaving in the middle of the season to go play in another part of the world for their national team. But the fact that the MLS continues playing and, like, the product is obviously diminished, right? Because teams all over the league are missing their best players because of this. That part is strange too. It's like you would think the MLS would say, okay, this is happening during this week. Let's take a break. We'll resume play when this when this is over. Um, and that and that hurt Inter Miami this year, right? And like you said, the guys are tired because they're going back, you know, they're going back and forth, they're playing in these extra matches. Um, and you know, again, the product is not probably what it should be because teams aren't hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think MLS, it, this is definitely going to be a topic of conversation in the postseason this year. Tata has been bringing it up pretty much every press conference. So he's definitely making his, his pitch. Um, but I think MLS needs to take the international break. I mean, there are so many players that, it, and also you're penalizing the teams that have the most national team players, which right now is, is, you know, Miami is definitely one of the, one of the most, if not the most. Uh, so it, it is, you know, it's been the most for the last couple of windows. So, um, it's, it's penalizing the teams that have the most national team players. You're penalizing your best teams when you continue to play through the international break. No other no other leagues around the world play through their international breaks. So I think for, for MLS to be taken seriously internationally, that's one thing they need to do. They don't have relegation and promotion. Okay, fine. But at least be like the rest of the world and stop during the FIFA breaks. You need to stop and not play games during those breaks. Plus, most fans are following their national teams during those breaks anyway. So I think it makes sense to, to you know, to just stop during those breaks. And I do think that they're going to do that. Uh, I mean, they're going to talk about it. I don't know if they're going to do it. I know that they are definitely going to talk about that uh, coming forward during this uh, during this offseason. So anyway, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, speaking of national teams and breaks, we're going to go back to the question that everybody has right now with Lionel Messi, who is coming off a great win for Argentina with not, not so much that they'd be Peru 2-0, but the way that Messi played. He was the old Messi. He was the old GOAT, the old Leo. He played 90 minutes. He seemed to be playing freely. He seemed to be playing fully fit and feeling confident which had been missing uh, since September 3rd, really, since the Miami's game at LAFC. Ever since he went to that first international break uh, and got injured, you know, things have not been the same for him. But this last game Tuesday night against Peru, he played really, really well. He scored two goals, the only two goals that they scored, and he looked like the old Leo Messi. And after the game, on the sideline, much to much surprise to everybody who was watching, including me, he said that he plans to play, that he's going to come back, train, and play in the in the game in the game that remains. He literally said, "I'm going to come back and train and play in the game that remains." The game that remains for him would be this Saturday at Charlotte FC in the last game of the season. A game that doesn't mean anything, obviously, for Inter Miami. It is a game that still means something to Charlotte and. By the way, it's a game that's on artificial turf, 
which that has always been a topic of conversation. Would he be willing to play on artificial turf? He happened to miss the Argent the uh, Atlanta game, injured, and that was a game that was on artificial turf. So now this would be a game that he would have to play on artificial turf. Um, will he play? Will he not play? The city of Charlotte, all the fans are dying to know. A lot of fans bought tickets. It's a big stadium. They're expecting a huge crowd. Then when it seemed like he was not going to play, I think a lot of those fans started trying to sell off the tickets and the ticket prices were dropping. Now, with the possibility that he is going to play, I think the ticket prices will probably go up again because people are saying, oh, wait a minute, maybe he is going to play now. Let me go get those tickets. Oh, never mind. Remember that ticket that I was going to sell you? Never mind. Never mind. I, I want that ticket for myself. Uh, so will he play or won't he play? That's kind of been a question leading into many games in the last month or six weeks. Um, is he going to play or is he not? He said he is. He intends to Tata when I asked him last night. So did you watch the interview? And, did, you know, he said he's going to play. What do you expect him to play? He said, I did see the interview. I did see what he said. I have not had a chance to talk to him because he just arrived from Peru. I just had a chance to say hello. He said Thursday, after Thursday's training, they will confer, they will talk and discuss and see if he is in fact ready to play again on Saturday. So is it 100% that he's going to play? No. Is there a chance that he's going to play? Yes. I know that doesn't help the people who are buying tickets or considering buying tickets. Um, there is a chance, though, that he will play. But I wouldn't say that it's 100% at this point because nobody has said that it's 100%. But he said he intends. The, it seemed like the intentions were there for him to come and train today and tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, and then play in the remaining game. That's what he said he's going to do. Will he do that? Remains to be seen. Um, I do think, honestly, if he could play, it would be good for him to play. Uh, he has missed so many MLS games, and MLS is paying him, you know, not MLS, Enter Miami, is paying him a lot of money, which we're about to go over in a minute, the salary list that was released yesterday. He is by far the highest paid player in this league. Everyone already knew that, but now we know the actual figures. He's also getting, you know, in deals with Apple TV when he doesn't play. I'm sure the Apple TV viewership goes down when he does play. It goes up. So Apple is one of his sponsors. Uh, MLS, he's the biggest star in the game right now in this in this league. The point was, you know, he's going to come here and, and the league, he's going to help promote the league and help promote it in Miami. So if he can play on Saturday, I do think it would be good for him to play because he's the team is going to China in a few weeks to play two games in China. And you know he's going to play there because this is a Chinese uh, marketer that is sending them over there. And, and, you know, Lionel Messi is the reason. The, the Chinese market is huge with Messi. The Asian market in general is huge with David Beckham and with Lionel Messi. And the reason that they're going there is to showcase Leo Messi. They're not going there to showcase... Robbie Robinson and Noah Allen, as wonderful as they are, that is not why this Chinese promoter is bringing them over. They're bringing them over to showcase Messi in front of all these Chinese fans who love Messi and worship Messi. And I guarantee you, he is going to play in China. So 
the optics to me don't look that great if he's well enough to play in Argentina and Peru, well enough to play in China, but not well enough to play even a fraction of the game on Saturday in the United States, uh, in the league that he plays in for his team. I just think it would be really uplifting for his team going into the season finale to know that their most important player is going to make the effort and play. Um, I also think for the fans in Charlotte who were really, really looking forward to this and bought tickets a long time ago, I know that that's not his responsibility. And we've debated that on other shows. Does he have responsibility? Um, and, you know, Alexi Lawless said, yes, he does. Uh, you know, does he have a responsibility? Does he not to play? And, and I'll ask you, Anthony, as someone who, who has followed uh, LeBron James and all these big stars in the NBA now who are doing load management, mm. uh, you know, back in the past, there was no such thing as load management. Players played. There were 82 games in the NBA. They played 82 games. However many games, if there were 34 games in MLS, you played 34 games. I mean, that is your job. That's what you're being paid to do. Now uh, athletes are taking more care of themselves because they can extend their careers. So obviously I'm not saying that Leo Messi should go out there and just trash his body. He's 36 years old. He does need to be careful. He has two very important uh, World Cup qualifiers coming up in later November, which are really big against you know two big opponents in Brazil and Uruguay. So he does have to manage how much he plays. But I do think it would be really good for the league, really good for the team, for his own teammates, uh, if he were to play at least a little bit on Saturday. What do you think as someone who follows a league where the athletes have started talking a lot about load yeah. management? Yeah, I, I think to kind of go back to earlier this season, the time Messi missed, I know there was a lot of talk, like you said, about does he have, does he have responsibility to be out there? Um, I think it's more on the league and the team than Messi. Messi was had a real injury, as you know, Michelle. I mean, I think people know that by now. He had a real injury, tried to play through it, had to leave that match early um, when he when he, when he he tried to play a month ago. Um, but transparency behind it is different than the NBA, where like the NBA now, you have to issue an injury report a day before the game, each game. It has to be at 5.30 p.m. You have to give them a certain status. You can't like all of a sudden say someone's out when they weren't on the injury report the day before. So I think the transparency probably can improve in the MLS. So that's what I would say. Um, but besides that, like as it relates to the Saturday's match, I guess I see both sides, right? Like this game doesn't matter. You don't want if Messi gets hurt, right? That would be awful for the sport and for him. Um, but at the same time, I could see Messi saying, look, I finally feel healthy for the first time in a while. You know, I, I played really well um, for Argentina. Uh, a few days ago, I want to continue. I don't want to take another long break. I want to. I want to continue playing this next match um, and end the season right. So, I see both sides. Like you said, he's gonna probably play in China. So it's like there are gonna be games he plays in soon that don't have maybe the stakes of or are they going to MLS playoffs or the League's Cup. But he's gonna play because he's a draw and that matters, right? That's that's why he's the highest paid player in in the MLS is because he's a draw. So. You want him out there as much as possible, but at the same time, you do have to be careful as a, you know as the team because you want to protect Messi, and Messi has to be careful too. Like you said, he's not a young guy anymore, and he has you know two important matches coming up uh, with Argentina. Um, and you and look, the offseason isn't that long in MLS. Like 
you know, the training camp starts in a few months. So you, you want to keep him healthy. Maybe the middle ground is he doesn't start. Maybe he comes in the second half and plays, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Maybe that's what they do. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how they handle it because, yeah, like you, I was – I just assumed he wasn't playing the rest of the season. Once they were eliminated from the playoffs, I just thought, you know, why? Why risk it? But I guess when you look at it and the way he played for Argentina a few days ago, maybe it does make some sense to get him out there for at least for a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked to Tata last night about um, – which is more important, you know, has, ha, have they talked to him or has he expressed that which is more important? And in Tata's mind, he was asked, is, is his, is his obligation to his national team more important or is his obligation to enter Miami more important? And Tata said point blank, he is a pro national team coach. So he said, having been a national team coach himself, he was the national team coach of Mexico. He was the national team coach of Argentina. And, you know, so he knows what it, you know, he knows how important it is uh, to be on a national team and for the coach of the national team to get the best players in the best form. So he said that he is always going to tell an athlete to play for their national team. He would never, ever tell even Ben Kramaski, who was playing, you know, if he's playing for, the U.S. under-20 team, or he's playing <clears throat> for the U.S. Olympic team. He said he would never tell an 18-year-old not to play for his national team, and he's not going to tell Leo Messi not to play for his national team because he has a, a game to play in his club. So he he fully understands and supports any athlete, not just Messi, any athlete who wants to play for their national team, even if it means that now what he said is, what we discussed earlier, he doesn't think they should miss league games for their national teams. So he is a full proponent of stopping MLS, of stopping league play during the FIFA windows, because if that's the case, you can let your players go, let them play for their national teams, and the the club team is not going to suffer, unless the athlete obviously gets injured in one of those games. But otherwise, you're not missing your best players because they happen to be on their national team. So the answer to a lot of this going forward is what we mentioned earlier. MLS needs to get with the rest of the world, pause the league during the FIFA window. When they say international break, that means you're taking a break from your league to play international matches. And, and MLS needs to do that. MLS needs to take that break and needs to let their players go play for their national teams. Um, so we mentioned just before about salaries and Messi is obviously the highest paid player on this team. You know, we all know that everybody knows that um, yesterday we finally got the actual numbers of what what's what is his salary? Uh, nobody really knew. Um, it turns out that his salary now this is an annualized salary. I'll start by saying this is the annual salary. He only played, he only came here in July. Two thirds of the season was already over. So he really only played, you know, four months and one third of the season. But his annualized salary is 12 million uh, base salary, 20 million guaranteed, which includes bonuses and other incentives and things like that. So his salary of 20 million and uh, 12 base and 20 million total is is by far the biggest in the league um the second highest i was actually a little surprised that it was this high was insigne 
from Italy uh, who plays for Toronto, which was the last place team, and he's at 15 million. You know, 15 million is still a very, very high salary for inter for uh, MLS. So Messi is making uh, $20 million. Uh, this year, probably closer to $10 million because it's annualized and he only played from July until October. So maybe even less than $10 million that he's actually going to make this year. But just for people to have an idea what his salary is, that is his salary. And then the next highest on the Inter-Miami payroll is on paper Joseph Martinez at $4 million. But Atlanta, it's a little deceiving because Atlanta is paying two-thirds of that. Atlanta bought out his contract to let him go, and they covered two-thirds pretty much of his contract. So Miami's paying about one-third of the $4 million um, for Joseph Martinez. And then after that, the bigger surprises, I think, for most people is that uh, is that Jordi Alba is only, and I, it seems crazy to say the word only because I would love to make a million dollars, but he's making one million and Sergio Busquets 1.5 million. Uh, for the level of players that they are coming from Barcelona, those numbers uh, seem, seem very low. Uh, $1 million compared to like $4 million was Joseph Martinez's salary, even though it's split between Atlanta and Miami. He, his salary was $4 million, and Sergio Busquets, one of the greatest midfielders of all time, at $1.5, and Jordi Alba, one of the greatest left backs in this generation, at, at $1 million. I think that surprised a lot of people. Uh, and the thing is, they, from what I understand, they are – still receiving quite a bit of money from Barcelona at the tail end of their contracts from Barcelona. So this year's salary for Inter Miami was not going to be very high. The reason they came here was really not for the salary. The reason they're coming here is because they wanted to play with Lionel Messi. All of them together wanted to play together. They wanted to play in the United States with their buddy Lionel Messi and be reunited. And so they are willing to take only a paltry $1 million or 1.5. Uh, the other thing that may surprise, and I'll ask you as a, a new fan, is the fact that um, the lowest paid players on the team, who include players like, like Ben Hakramaski, who is yeah, a regular that. starter, $67,000. You know, $67,000 for Noah Allen, $67,000. For Ben Hakramaski, these are guys who have been catapulted into starting roles this year. So when you see their professional athlete in MLS who is a starter uh, is making $67,000, how does that strike you as someone who covers the NBA? Yeah, anytime you see professional sports and you see a salary of $67,000, which, you know, for the average person is is a, is a solid salary, but for an athlete, it's it's kind of yeah, it is surprising. It's because you were so used to athletes getting the minimum deal was a million dollars, you know. Um, so it is different, uh, obviously. Nonetheless, that, that was kind of when I looked at the list yesterday that you that you posted uh, at the memory on Memory Herald's website, Michelle. That was one thing that really stood out was the lower end guys. I just was I'm not I'm I'm not used to seeing that an athlete making you know less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, so it is kind of unique to the MLS as far as like American, you know, American professional sports. Um, but I had two questions for you, Michelle. Um, one, 
Are you surprised by Messi's salary, whether it's like you thought it would be higher or lower? And two, is this list something they release every year at this time? Or was this because of everyone was questioning, you know, Messi's salary and wanted to know what that number was that they released it? Or kind of how does that work? They do release it every year. Yeah, they release it every year. And actually, they had already released it earlier this year in May, I believe, is when they first released the 2023 salaries. The MLSPA has tried very hard to, to be very transparent, and it helps the players Obviously, going into the offseason, the players who are going to be free agents and the players that are going to be negotiating, it's important for them, for everyone to see what the salaries are and what the salary disparities are. It's really important for them to see. So the MLSPA has been, uh, for the last several years, releasing uh, releasing the list. And it's always very interesting. It's always um Super interesting for the reporters and also for the fans who, who watch the, the league to see where everybody stands at this point. And you also notice when you look on the you, on the salaries for Inter-Miami and for all the teams that the players who are on loan, they still have to pay those salaries. That's still on their payroll. So that's something that you also don't see in other leagues, this thing about loaning players. Mm -hmm. But, for example, LGP, Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who's an Argentine player who was on Inter Miami, he is still on their payroll at $1 million. $1 million. He is wow. one of the highest paid. He gets paid as much as Jordi Alba, and, and he doesn't play for the team. They are paying for him to play in Argentina um, because they still have to carry his salary. Uh, sometimes the other team pays part of the salary. And they pay the other part of the salary, but his salary of nine hundred thirty-five thousand and one million guaranteed compensation is still the responsibility of Inter Miami. So that's also something um, that a lot of other leagues, you know, don't have. That where in this in this league and in soccer, when you loan players, you know, you're still responsible for part of their salary. So um, did it surprise me, uh, Leo Messi's salary? Um, it didn't surprise me too much because the majority of his money, the $150 million that's being thrown around about his, the package that he signed for has a value. It is valued at $150 million. That includes, that includes equity in the team upon retirement. So that is going to be a big chunk of his money. A big chunk of his money is going to be equity in this club upon retirement. This club is going to be worth even more than it is now. Let's say it's $300 million for a club now with Messi on it, with Messi on it for the next two seasons, with all of the tickets they're going to sell, with all of the shirts they're going to sell, with the Apple revenue that's going to come in because of him and because of this team, the value of this club will rise over the next two years. So it may be more than $150 million at the end of the day that he gets total, but the majority of his package is probably not going to be, they haven't told us the breakdown, but seeing that the salary is $12 million base, $20 million uh, guaranteed, if that holds true, or even if he, he makes more over the next two years, um, it's probably not going to be the majority of the 150 million total. The total is going to be because 
he's getting equity in the team and presumably maybe the stadium also, which is going to be open supposedly in 2025 at the end of the year. Um, if he becomes part owner of the stadium and part owner of this club, that is where the, the big bulk of his revenue is going to come and from the club side. Now, he's also making money from Apple for every subscription that is sold for the MLS season pass. He gets a cut. He gets a cut of every jersey from Adidas. And, you know, they've been selling more jerseys than any other one in the league. And, and one of the top selling jerseys in the world right now is that pink Inter Miami number 10. So he's making a lot of money. We don't have to feel sorry for Lionel Messi. He's making lots and lots and lots of money. Um, but the majority of his money is not going to be from the payroll itself from Inter Miami. Uh, that's the way I see it. So, but anyway, yeah, it is interesting just to see the the sixty seven thousand dollars to see professional athlete making that in the United States uh, when you see the the numbers in Major League Baseball, football, NBA, yeah, even hockey. Um, you know, it's not it's not that low. Is is that salary? Is it a one year? Does it change every year in the MLS, or are they or is like Kramashki? uh under a certain contract where you know he'll get paid more next year how, how does that how does the salary uh, structure work for a player like that right yeah well the league i mean the league minimum is the sixty-seven thousand, which is what yeah. they sign all of those young players that they brought up from the academy that's what they signed for this is year by year so this is their first year uh you know the first year salary a lot of times it stays that way for a couple of years until they prove themselves, until they renegotiate, you know, I would think, I mean, Kramaski as a starter, you know, if you're his agent, uh, you're going to try to restructure that so that he's not making the minimum salary next year. Um, so yeah, it is, you know, but they do sign, they sign contracts usually for two or three years, you know, with an option, you know, two years with, a, with an option for a third year. Um, but sometimes, if there is a lot of interest in a player, sometimes they can renegotiate and get players up to a higher level than what they started at. So we'll see what happens next year. Um, you know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, I wanted to end before before we go on, uh, before we finish up and wrap up. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about today is about Luis Suarez. Um, everyone is wondering. The big question going into this offseason is. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? And who might come in? Is there another star coming, especially up top in the forward position? Um, Luis Suarez is the name that comes up the most. He would be the fourth in the FC Barcelona, you know, uh, retirement tour. <laughs> Not retirement. Obviously, they're still playing. But the guys who have left FC Barcelona, the four of them right. are friends. Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, and Luis Suarez were all teammates of Barcelona. They are friends. They all four wanted to come over, to be honest, is what I'm hearing and what I've always heard, that Suarez always wanted to come here with the other three, but he signed a complicated contract with Gremio in Brazil, which was going to make it very difficult and extremely expensive for him to get out of that contract, which was through 2024. He has worked out a deal. According to many reports, he has worked out a deal where he would be able to leave in December. If that holds true, um, I believe that Inter Miami will definitely try to sign him. Tata Martino, who never talks about names 
of players who are not on the team said the word Suarez, said the word Luis in his quotes and said, as we're planning for the future, we are looking at a scenario with Luis and we're looking at a scenario without Luis. I, I saw that quote and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, you know, you rarely see a coach say something like that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's even mentioning that we yeah. are in our planning for next season, we have one scenario with Luis Suarez on the roster. We have another scenario without Luis Suarez on the roster. So clearly he is a target. He is definitely a target that they would like to land. Um, <clears throat> he also has some knee issues, and that is another situation. Apparently, he is going to Spain for some kind of treatment for a knee issue. There were rumors that the knee injury was fake, that it was you know overblown because he's just trying to get out of the Gremio contract. But it does seem that he has some kind of knee issue that is going to be addressed during the offseason. So I don't know how much that will weigh into uh, what they would want to pay him or what they would be willing to risk to bring him over here. But if they bring him, I think it, it would be, you know, either, either Campana would have to go or Joseph Martinez would have to go. Joseph Martinez is at the end of this contract. Um, he has been sort of up and down this year, was making a million plus from the team. Uh, Leo Campana is the young guy that they are really investing in and believe in for the future, although he also has value around the league. Some other teams around the league may offer quite a bit of money for Leo Campana. I don't think they would offer that much money for Martinez, but I do think that there are teams who would be who would want Leo Campana. So there's going to be some negotiating and some shopping going on during the offseason. And it'll be interesting to see if Luis Suarez comes in, then who goes? Is it the young Leo Campana who has had some injury issues, but so has Joseph Martinez and Joseph Martinez has been more expensive. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that, Anthony, going forward? Yeah. As a casual observer, my initial thought would be Campana is something different for this team. It's kind of unique in, in that, in that part of the, in that part of the field for them where he's a big body, he's good in set pieces. A lot of their, a lot of their, you know, goal scorers are smaller players that maybe don't have that as a strength. But I, the one thing I noticed about Campana is not only is he really skilled, obviously, but he's 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 tall, um, and that that lends to something unique on this roster where there aren't many of those type of players on this team right now. Um, and again, he's when he's in there, and there's a corner, you know that he's one of the top targets because he can head in the ball. Um, and that's a strength of his. So if I if I had to pick between the two, I would say Campana because of that, that he brings something different than maybe other the other scorers do on this roster, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great point. No, that is a great point. It's a very short team. They really don't have too many players over, you know, over six one. So um Campana is is a target. He's a tall target for set pieces. He has scored many of his goals have been off headers last year and this year. So he brings a different component. Joseph Martinez is interchangeable with some of the other players they have, whereas I do think Leo Campana is not interchangeable. The one guy who is sort of tall is Robbie Robinson, um, but again, he's been so injury prone that I don't think that they're going to be relying on him as, you know, as their top number nine. So that's definitely not the situation. And that being the case, I think that, Probably Leo has a better chance 
of sticking uh, than Joseph Martinez, but we'll see going forward. Tata does have a good relationship with Joseph and Joseph has shown in flashes that he can be the old Joseph, but um, it'll be interesting to see going forward what happens with, with Luis Suarez. So yeah. on that note, we're going to end this week's episode um, next week. Uh, Andre will be back. We're going to miss you, Anthony, but you're welcome to join in any time. We can do a three-way conversation. Yes, this is yeah, um, yeah, so next week we'll be wrapping up the final game of the season, which is Saturday. We will see. Did he play or did he not play? The big question. And then <clears throat> we will really do, <clears throat> excuse me, a deep dive into what's happening going forward the off season, what to expect. When does the new, uh, when does the training camp start? When will the new players start coming in? When will they, when will the training camp start and which players may we have seen for the last time? We're going to go over that in the next episode. So thank you so much. Everybody who's tuned in to all of our episodes, or even if this is just your first, thank you for joining us. Please join us again um, from inside inter Miami I want to say thank you from Michelle Kaufman, from Anthony Chang, from the Miami Herald. You can find this podcast everywhere that you can listen to podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can watch us later on on YouTube, on your YouTube channel. Um, and thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us.